we are in a series looking at what did Jesus have to say. We've just been looking at different things that Jesus had to say, and we've been discovering what that meant. And we're specifically looking at what Jesus had to say about prayer, and we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father, or the Disciples' Prayer. How many of you, you know the Lord's Prayer? You grew up in church. Just raise your hand. You know it. Yeah, so many of you. You grew up in church, and maybe you recite it. You've got it in memory. And we've been kind of dissecting the Lord's Prayer and understanding what Jesus had to say about prayer. And we're kind of in a tricky uh, we're, we're finishing the series on the Lord's Prayer today, but we're in a tricky part where it talks about and lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. And that can be a little like hard to understand. It was God saying that he's going to lead us into temptation, and we're going to discover what that what Jesus was talking about there, and we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about temptation and how do we have the right tools to overcome temptation in our lives and know what temptation is and how to deal with that. And so let's look at, we're going to jump right in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer uh, as in the Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And so Jesus is asked by his disciples how they are to pray. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, this is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen to God's word. So let's see what he had to say. Verse 13 can be confusing. And so we're asking, um, is God the one that leads us into temptation? Now, as we look through scriptures, we can get a better understanding of that meeting. Um, we're taught in scripture that God does not tempt us to sin. In the book of James, the brother of Jesus says this about temptation. Where is the blame to go when we fall into temptation? Very interesting what his words are here in James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. James says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. That that seems like it contradicts just what Jesus says in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. Listen to what James says. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. The word temptation is interesting. We have to understand what the what the word temptation actually means. In Matthew chapter 6, it's an interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word parasmos. And the word parasmos can be translated temptation or testing. Temptation or testing. So we need to understand that God will never tempt us to do evil. However, God will allow specific situations to test our character. Listen, every single day, there's going to be a test of your character. Can I get an amen? Um, Think about the things that test your character. Bad drivers test my character. Can I get an amen? My wife, I drive her crazy when I drive. Can I just confess something to you? I'm going to be vulnerable here. Let me confess something to you. I have to admit, the other day I was driving. I was at a light, and he had to go through the light, and then there's the on-ramp onto 104. So I knew I had to outgun the person next to me to make the... So I said to Kathleen, I said, I think I can outrun this. This is just, you know, just to... I think think we can beat them. Kathleen's like, pardon, pardon. So I started gunning it. Sure enough, they're gunning it. 
they're not going to let me pass. So I actually look over, and they're not even looking at me. So I'm like, guess he's like, slow down, slow down, slow down. Avoid evil, temptation, stop. Holy Spirit, speak to my husband right now. So, of course, I slowed down. But there's something right in your ego, right, that just is, man, if I would have just gone a little faster, right? We have temptations every day that test our character. Every time I walk into Wegmans, my character is tested because I love the ultimate chocolate chip cookies from Wegmans. Many of you know that. If you see me in Wegmans, look at my cart. They're there. They're there. So now where do they put them? They're not over in the bakery section anymore. They are right in the front door as you walk in. Literally, they have them lined up like this as you walk in the door. So you got to kind of, you know, you got to go around them now. And it's just the temptation to want to get those is is unbelievable. We we are tested every single day with our character. So what does James says here? What does James say this temptation comes from? Well, he says it comes from inside of us. Every trial is a test whether good or bad. Every single trial, whether good or bad, it is a test. So how do we handle? So the question is this. Sometimes we look at temptation or testing as as bad things in our lives. Well, I got to overcome this sin or this really bad thing. But I want you to understand handling adversity or prosperity is a test of your character. It's not just do we pass the test when there's there's a conflict in our life or we're going through some difficulty, but how do we pass the test of our character when things are well, when we're living in prosperity or things are going well? How do we handle victories or defeats, right? I would say this to my boys when they would play sports. I said, your true character comes out not by your wins, but by your losses. How you act after you lose a game speaks more to your character than whether or not you won that game. Amen? It shows what's truly inside. It's a test of your character. Every trial is a test, whether good or bad. So there's an interesting test that was done about temptation and delayed gratification. I laughed over this when I saw it. And what it was, is was a test of what they would do is they would t- take two children, and it was called the marshmallow test. If you, some of you may have heard it. And what they do is they put one marshmallow in front of two children, and they tell them, if you wait until we come back and you don't eat your marshmallow, what we will do is we will give you a second marshmallow, and you can have two instead of one. And what they want to do is they want to see long range what happens to these children that uh, were able to use delayed gratification if, if, if they made better choices in their life and so on and so forth. So that was the test of it. But I saw a really cute one that came out of the UK of two children that di- they did the marshmallow test on. And I've got the video for you. Go ahead and look at the screen. Got Celia who's six and we got B who is four. I'm going to give you a marshmallow. If you want... You can eat this straight away, or you can wait for a bit until I come back into the room and you'll get a second marshmallow. Okay? I'll leave it up to you. I'm going to leave the room for a bit. Bye-bye.
Okay, girls, how did you do? You haven't eaten yours. <laughs> and what happened to yours, B? Where is it? What, it's there in your tummy? Is it? So you couldn't wait for another one. So you, as a reward, get another marshmallow. What do you think of that? Tasty. How many of you thought that the one girl ate their marshmallow was going to eat the other girl's marshmallow? I said, I'd have gone for it. Just, just eat. If they had Wegman's Ultimate Chocolate Chip Cookies there, there's no way I could have waited that long for a second one. That was cute. So it shows the, the, the delayed gratification of, of temptation. And we all know that there's temptations there in front of us each and every day. And we have to understand that temptation is not a sin. It's when we give into that temptation. Even Jesus himself was tempted. We're going to dive into that temptation when Jesus was in the wilderness. And so James tells us that it's our desires that lead us astray. It's within us. And I think the problem, the myth that we buy or the lie that we buy is we think the temptation is out there. If I could just remove all this stuff out of my life, then I would never give into those things. But we have to understand is James hits the nail on the head by saying it starts within us. And in order for us to battle temptation correctly, it must begin with our hearts. We need to be honest with ourselves that we're never a thought or an action away from making a wrong decision. We have to be honest with ourselves. Um, let, let, me give you, let me give you a fishing illustration here. Many of you know I love the fish. Let me give you a fishing illustration here because we have to understand is when we're battling temptation, we're also battling the enemy. And we have to understand that the enemy is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, the enemy can't make us sin, but he can entice us. He can tempt us. And that's what he did with Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. And we're going to read that in just a moment. This is a great fishing illustration right here for you about how we are enticed to give in to sin. So in fishing, what attracts the fish is not the hook. What attracts the fish is all the things that are surrounding the hook. There's a lure that lures the fish, but the thing that hooks the fish is the hook. So let's remind ourselves here. What the enemy does is he does everything to lure us to that thing that could eventually hook us. All the lure is doing is disguising the hook. So the better the presentation of that lure the better chances you have in catching fish. Now, I've learned from a lot of good fishermen on how to catch big fish, especially big bass. And I've got a picture of you right here. This is what you do if you do it right. It's a six-pound bass right there. Can we thank God for his creation of big bass? Let's thank him right now. Can we just thank God for his creation of bass right there? All right, so you asked me, Pastor, how did you lure this big bass onto your hook? I'm not telling you. No, I'll tell you. It's Senko Worm, wacky style, works really well. So there's my secret for you for catching big bass. But what we understand is that's a great fishing illustration. The lure, all it's doing is attracting us to get to the hook. And that's exactly what the enemy, you can take the picture down. No, let's leave it up. We'll leave it up all service. Yeah, let's just leave it up. So, so, <laughs> so what, are, what, what are we looking at here? What, how, do we, how do we 
overcome this or how do we understand temptation and what it is so that we don't get lured in and eventually get hooked? So what does Jesus mean when he says, lead us not into temptation? The ESV study notes render it this way. I appreciate what they say here. They say, allow us to be spared from difficult circumstances that would tempt us to sin. So that's the meaning there. It's saying, God, may we depend on you not to be lured into situations that would allow us to sin. We're asking God for strength to lead us actually away from evil. This type of prayer was echoed of that of King David when he prayed in Psalms 141, verse 4. He says, do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I do not take part in the wicked deeds. Along with those who are evildoers, do not let me eat their delicacies. What a great prayer. It says, do not let my heart. Notice what David says, my heart. He didn't say, well, remove all the distractions. How many know we're going to be distracted every single day? The, The problem is we think, well, if I can just move to Montana and be away from everybody, away from all the distractions, all the temptations, then I would never sin or I've never given temptation. Guess what the answer to that is? Eh, right, because we're not dealing with our heart. We first have to deal with what's going on in here. And I think what happens, we just think if I can get rid of all the distractions in my life and all the things that lead me that way, then, I, then I'm going to be fine. Listen, we have to be careful because it has to start with our heart. So how do we correctly deal with temptation? How do we correctly deal with it? Let me say this. We must be vigilant. We must be vigilant. We must be prepared. The great example we have of this of Christ, that he was always prepared, that he was in sync with his father, that he was constantly depending on the will of the father and the strength of the father as he walked on the face of this earth. So to be vigilant means to be, to, to, to have careful watch, to be on careful watch, keep careful watch over your heart. So let me give you a couple things here that can help us be vigilant over temptation to not get lured in to things that are destructive that could hurt our lives. So first of all, we need to be vigilant of the enemy. We need to understand that there is an enemy, that there is a devil who lures us, who wants us to go down a destructive road. And the reason why we know this is the temptation of Jesus when he was in the wilderness. And I love Uh, Luke's description in his gospel of this very event. I want to listen to, to what he describes, what happened to Jesus. Jesus led into the wilderness for 40 days, and he doesn't eat for 40 days. And for those 40 days, we're told that he's tempted by the enemy. Listen to what it says. In verse 4, it says, Jesus, what? Let's all say it together. Full of the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking to myself, why did Luke add that in there? That is the whole juxt right there of how he, we, we need to combat um, temptation in our life. What we see here is Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was prepared when he walked into that wilderness situation. He wasn't unprepared. It didn't take him by surprise. And all of a sudden, the enemy comes, and the enemy starts to tempt him. And so what we see here is he's, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He left, he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was 
hungry. How many of us would be hungry after 40 days of fasting? He was hungry. See, I want you to understand something here. Jesus was prepared because he was ready and he wasn't caught off guard. The reason why Pearl Harbor was such a horrific event in American history during World War II is that we were caught off guard. We weren't prepared for the attack of the enemy. And so what happens is when we're not prepared, we're not ready, we're going to be caught off guard. So we prepare ourselves by being steadfast in our devotion to Christ. Jesus showed us that he was devoted fully to his father. See, our time with Christ is foundational for facing and not succumbing to the temptations that are opposed to us each and every day. Temptation itself, as I said, is not a sin because Jesus was tempted. But Jesus didn't fall into it. He, he didn't sin. And when we fall, it's not because of the presented temptation. Our failure came way before that opportunity presented itself. Just remember that it's your heart. When we give into temptation, something is going on in our heart way before that temptation presented itself. So our failure came way before that opportunity. It has to do with our hearts. Our hearts always have this bent towards sin. And we have to be vigilant. And the enemy knows this. It's more than just saying no. It's more than just denial. That is part of resisting sin. It's more than just saying no to the wrong things, but it's saying yes to the right things. Just say amen for me, because that's good right there. That's good. See, the problem is we just think, if I just say no, 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 and self-denial, and I'll be fine, it's, it's, it's so much more than that. There's a, there's a preparation that goes on in our hearts when we say yes to Christ in our life. And it's obvious that Jesus had this deep, intimate relationship with his Father, that he was full of the Holy Spirit. So when that temptation presented itself, Jesus was prepared. When we yield to Christ... We move away from those things that will harm us. Fill yourself with Christ. Christ in me is far greater than anything this world could ever offer us. So the more I'm filled with Christ and the more I say yes to him, the more time I spend with Christ, when those temptations present themselves, the luster of it becomes lackluster. It's not as important. And when I'm filled with Christ and the Holy Spirit, I prepare myself for those temptations that come our way. I'm more wise to those things. I'm more prepared. My heart has been cultivated in my relationship with Christ. So be diligent diligent in, 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 in knowing that the enemy is always there. So be vigilant in knowing that our enemy is always there and we need to have our hearts prepared at all times. The second thing is be vigilant in your weaknesses. So what do I mean by that? I want you to notice that the area that the devil tempted Jesus first, it was his hunger. Jesus was hungry. He was weak from his hunger. And Luke uh, 4, 3 and 4, it says, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He says, You're the Son of God. You can do it. And it's interesting that he tempts him in his weakness and where he was hungry. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Know your weakness. Know what you struggle with the most. Be vulnerable before 
the Lord in those areas. How many know that the enemy is going to attack where he knows you're weakest? Have you ever watched like a documentary like in Africa and you see these wild animals? The minute one of the animals, if they're in a pack, get alone or by themselves or they're weak and vulnerable, that's where the predator is going to attack the, the most. He's going to attack where it's most vulnerable, where, where someone has been separated from the pack. That's where they're going to attack. Know your vulnerabilities. Know your weakness. I would say this too. Know your strengths. Because sometimes we get too dependent on our strengths. And when we do that, we don't become dependent on the Lord. And the enemy can use your strengths against you also as much as he can use your weaknesses against you. Do you realize that Jesus loves when we come to him and give him our weakness or give, give him our weaknesses and our struggles? We can say, we can say, Lord, I just been way too overconfident in this area of my life. I need to give that to you because that's not good because I know I need to be humble in this area. And I know my strengths can be just as detrimental as my weaknesses. And the word of God tells us that we need to constantly come before him and lay our desires before him, knowing that he cares for us. And so when you're struggling in your area of your life, don't hide that from the Lord. In fact, the Lord wants you to bring that very thing to him. Because in our weakness, the word of God says he is strong. He is strong. Let me just say this. I think the church today, we need to walk in vulnerability. We need to make sure that we're showing the world that we don't have it all together, that we struggle too. And I think the more vulnerable we are, the more people begin to listen, that we struggle too. And so let, let's be a church that, that is vulnerable, that shares our weaknesses. That, to me, that's what the church should be. I think if we come into a place and we feel like we have it all together and we think we're perfect or we don't have all these issues, I think that's a black eye on the church. But I think when we come and we say, man, I'm struggling and I have these struggles and we're open and honest and vulnerable with one another, I think Christ is actually glorified through that, that we're showing him that we need him, that we're not showing the world that we have it all together, but we have our struggles too. And we need the Lord to help us and that we're a people that need to repent and we're a people that need to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness consistently in our lives. When you're vigilant in your weakness, Christ is glorified. And what it does is it eliminates that temptation in our lives to depend on ourselves. And it gives the enemy, it gives the enemy no hold in your life or no foothold in your life to wreak, wreak destruction in our hearts and our lives. And I believe when we become vulnerable, it opens us up to the Lord and his strength in our lives. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Give all of them to him. Give all of them. Do you know God knows it all? We don't hide anything from the Lord. He knows what you struggled with. He knows what you thought about this week. He knows what you thought about today. He knows all those things. And when we give those things to the Lord, it gives us the power of Christ in our lives, not to give the enemy a foothold in our lives. Worries can be things we struggle with. Humbling ourselves before God gives us the strength not to give into those temptations that present themselves to us. Just remember that every single sin starts in the heart. Every single one starts in the heart. So we need to guard our hearts at all time. So think it out. Think about your consequences. Just think about it for just a moment. When I make this decision, what might happen? 
Is it is this is this going to work out right or wrong if I make this decision in my life? My dad would always tell me that, Barton, just think it out. Just think it out. If you make this decision, right, to jump off the roof with an umbrella, is this going to work out good or am I going to end up in the emergency room, right? Just think about the think about those decisions that you make and the consequences. And here's the third thing. Be vigilant and not isolating yourself. Here's here's the problem when in all the struggle when we struggle with something, the easiest thing for you and I to do is to isolate ourselves because we're embarrassed or we feel like we're going to be judged. Man, I say that is not the church. That is not how the church should be. When we struggle with something, the church should be there for each other, that we walk this walk together, that when we share in our struggles, we can pray for one another, not shame each other, not guilt each other, but to help each other and to pray for one another. See, what happens is I think sometimes in the church we have to put these, this facade on or everything's perfect in my life. I'm doing great. And I'm wonderful. Praise the Lord. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Okay? It's not. Listen, we all struggle. And I think what happens is when we hide those struggles in our lives, we tend to isolate ourselves. And then we open up ourselves more to the enemy and his schemes if we're not careful. And so my prayer for our church is that we would be a church that would consistently, consistently be there for one another. That we would be vulnerable to one another. That we would, be, we would share our weaknesses with one another so that we can pray with each other. And we can help one another walk our walk in Christ together. And I think that gives the enemy a big black eye when we do that. And so don't isolate yourselves. Be accountable with your life. When we hide things, when you're secretive, When your spouse doesn't know where you are, we open ourselves tremendously to temptation. We open ourselves. When we isolate ourselves or we hide things in our lives, but when you share your struggles, it takes away the power that thing has over you. And so we need to be there for each other. Just remember what you hide in the darkness will have the most control over your life. What you hide in the darkness will have that most control over your life. Be accountable to somebody that you trust. And so what I want to do is I want to just ask you two questions here, two questions today. Because I really want us to think this thing through with temptation and realize that we have to take accountability for our hearts and our lives. How would this decision change my tomorrow? Think that thing through. When you have a choice to make and there's a temptation before you, think to yourself, how would this decision change my tomorrow? And also think, Who will I hurt by my decision? Never buy the lie that the choice you make only affects you. The choices we make always affect other people and those around us. So just think about that. How will my choice, how will this hurt others by my decision? Think about the right choices you made that changed your life. Think about the right things that you've done in your life that changed your life for the better. And so what we need to do is we need to take ownership of our hearts and our lives and take responsibility. And I think by us walking in humility, by taking ownership of our lives, by by allowing other people into our lives with our struggles to pray for us, by by being vulnerable, by becoming weak and allowing those things to be presented before the Lord, I believe we can correctly judge the temptation that's before us and we'll be prepared 
and we'll be ready. But here's the thing. Every single one of us will give into temptation one time or another. We will. We're going to fail. It's how we deal with that. How do you deal with it? Do you just beat yourself up and say, I'm no good, I'm no good, I can never get over this? Or do you, do you come to Christ? Because his grace is enough and his mercy is there. And the word of God does tell us, it does tell us to cast everything before his feet. It tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you find the forgiveness of the Father in your heart? That's running to him. That's giving our weaknesses to him, knowing that there's forgiveness and hope in Christ Jesus. Because what my heart, the proclivity of my heart, is to run away, to isolate, to not come to church. That's the worst thing you could do, right? This is a place we need to be, where we encourage each other, where we pray for one another, where we hear God's word where we sense his presence with God's people. We come to the Father knowing that he will forgive us. I love this. I read this yesterday by um, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Just a, He was a pastor some years ago, but he wrote this about temptation, and I thought it was so good because it really, it really speaks to the core of temptation. And he said this, In the last analysis... It's not the temptations that meet us on the streets that determine our conduct. It is the heart of man who faces them. Two men may face the same conditions. One falls, the other stands. The difference is not in the temptation, but in the heart of man. Give Christ access to every part of your heart. Not just the upstairs where everything's clean and neat, but the basement and the attic where you tend to hide things and you don't want anybody else to see them. I believe when we give Christ full access to our heart, we take the power of temptation and the desire to want to fall away because we're allowing Christ to have full access to our heart. And that's where it starts. We can't blame anyone else. We can't. The only thing we can say is, God, you have to take my heart here, and I need you in my life. And when we do fall and we do make mistakes, and all of us will at one time or another, we have to realize that we need to fall on that grace over and over and over again and humble ourselves and repent and just say, God, I need you, knowing you'll take me back, knowing that you're not going to reject me, but your grace will be there for me. And so let's take responsibility of our heart. Let's take responsibility. And so when temptation presents itself, let's be, let's, let's be diligent. Let's be diligent in preparing ourselves each and every day as we come into God's presence, as we read his word, you're preparing your heart for the right things. So when the temptation presents itself, it doesn't have that power to deceive you to where we have to give into it any longer. And when we do fail, we have a Savior who's there, who forgives and redeems and forgives. So let's be a people that are diligent and vigilant in the way we lead and conduct our lives. Listen, the greatest thing you can ever do in your life is be proactive in your spiritual life. Be proactive 
in those things and take responsibility. And God's there to help us and to give us the strength. Amen. He's such a good God. And he's so faithful. So I want to pray for you. Some of you might be here and you say, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just struggling. There's things in my life that I struggle with. There's temptations in my life that I, that I struggle with. Listen, how many know that the rest of our life is going to be a struggle? It will be. But, but thank the Lord we have Christ to walk with us, to give us his strength, that we too can be full of God's Holy Spirit to help us traverse through this, through this world. So let me pray for you. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church, as individuals, Lord, to trust you with our lives. Lord, each and every one of us, we have weaknesses, we have strengths that can easily become detrimental in our lives, and they, be, they can become temptations that, that lead us away from you. But help us to be vulnerable. Lord, help us to be weak before you to lay those things before you, God. Help us to be diligent in the way we deal with our spiritual lives. And Lord, take our hearts. We give them to you. We know that the proclivity of our heart is bent towards sin, and so we're constantly fighting against that as we walk this walk in this world. But thank you, Lord, that you are walking with us and that it's you in us, Jesus, that gives us the strength to overcome. So I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't go to one extreme or the other, that, Lord, when we do fail, that we wouldn't beat ourselves up and, and feel like you don't love us or that we can't come back to you. Or we would go to the other extreme where we don't, that we're not proactive with our spiritual lives or we just take things for granted. God, help us not to do that either. Lord, help us to find ourselves in you each and every day. And I thank you for the strength that you give us. Thank you for your word, God. So, Lord, walk with us. Let us be diligent in our spiritual lives as we seek you each and every day. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your acceptance and your grace in our hearts and our lives. Thank you that there's nothing that you haven't experienced, that you haven't gone through, that we've gone through. So we have a faithful high priest, a faithful Savior that can empathize, that understands our weakness, that has been tempted in every way that we've been tempted yet without sin. Thank you that we have a perfect Savior in every way. We just ask these things in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for his word today? Amen. Amen. Amen.